Hello, and thank you for tuning in to the Travel and Transformation Show with me, your host, Sophia, and my guest today, Zaya B. Zaya reinvented her life after leaving a 25-year career in business to create her hell yes life. I'm a hell yes to that, okay, because I'm all about creating life your way, creating the life you want, living happy, living authentically. So I'm just going to let her take it away and tell us about how she started creating that hell yes life. Sure. Well, it's a long time coming. So, you know, sit down. We have 20 years to go. No, I'm kidding. We won't go through <laughs> that far. I'll give you like some big points along the way. I mean, I started back when I graduated from college, you were supposed to just get a job. Like this idea of being Insta famous didn't exist because Insta didn't exist because smartphones didn't exist. (laughs) So I got a job and I worked for about eight years or so. My last job was in consulting where I traveled around and I was in Australia. I did not want to come back to the US. So I decided to take an eight month sabbatical to travel around the world. About seven months in, the company was going public and they actually were starting to pay people to take sabbatical. Unfortunately, since I was already on sabbatical, I was not eligible for that and instead just got laid off, which was fine by me. I actually wanted to leave and I I held on because it was good money and I didn't know what else I wanted to do. So I ended up traveling for a year all around the world, solo trip, again, before smartphones, before social, before any of that happened, it actually could be done. <laughs> No. So yeah. yeah, after you give us some more highlights, you're going to actually have to tell us how you did that. Sure. My that, pleasure. That sounds like interesting. Yeah. And you want to like hear how the what happened when the dinosaurs roamed the earth, I'm sure. I'm going <laughs> to tell you cuz I was there with them. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> Y'all can't see her. She's exaggerating like so much. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So fast forward, I ended up moving to San Francisco and I started working for myself. And again, this was really unusual back then to be able to be a contractor. Now, everybody, it seems, is a contractor, but it was really exciting. I had not have or have not had a boss since I was 29 years old. I've only worked for myself. So I was independent contractor doing consulting, working with large companies to help them implement different changes. And then ended up creating my own consulting business and had that for 10 years. All along, I would work and then I would travel and I would work, I would travel. I had nice big chunks of travel in between. The thing is, I still had this gnawing inside of I meant to do something more meaningful. Like I enjoyed my clients. I was happy to serve them. I made good money. I had a flexible life. But, you know, helping them implement a new system or a new process or new organization design just was not why my soul was here. And so I always just was waiting for this thing to plop in my head. And speaking of travel, so I actually retired from that in 2019. Early retirement is actually boring because people my age were not sitting around. So 2020, I got a one-way ticket to Mexico. I was going to travel the world again to figure out where I wanted to live, what I wanted to do. We all know that COVID laughed at all of that. So brought myself home. And in the lockdowns, in the sad, lonely, awkwardness of lockdowns, I turned to my creativity because that's who I am at my core. I'm a curious, creative explorer. And I took classes on poetry and singing and all kinds of things, picked up a paintbrush for the first time since I was in elementary school. And I'm now actually dot, 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 
to do the summarized version, an abstract artist with a studio in downtown San Francisco. Oh, wow. How cool is that? Yeah, I'm enjoying it. (laughs) And the other thing I started this year, I uh, became a co-author of an internationally bestselling book on creativity and started a podcast called Your Hell Yes Life to inspire women to live life on their terms, to go out and make those brave choices. So, okay. I want to go back to, yeah, and then I traveled the world. (laughs) (laughs) As you do. So tell us about, you know, how that came about, because I know you said you did all it before smartphones and all the things, but yes, life, there was life before smartphones and all the things. So tell us how you managed to travel the world and how many countries you saw and that type of thing. Yeah, I actually, I I do slow travel. I like to be somewhere and like really kind of sink into a place. So in the year, I think it was only 10 countries. And part of it is I got laid off while I was in Australia. And so I just extended my time in Australia. So I ended up about four months of it, I think, was actually just Australia, which had I planned it that way, I probably wouldn't have spent that much time there. It's it's wonderful and I enjoyed my time, but I would have seen other places. Mm. But I had just gotten back. It was the end of my trip. And at that point, I, I wasn't all that motivated to just start all over again. And then the other one was Bali. I'm originally from New York. The last place I worked was the World Trade Center. And I arrived in Bali on September 9th, 2001. So then oh two gosh. days later, September 11th happened. What was supposed to be a week long, I thought, I'm not ready to go anywhere. I am hunkering down in this beautiful place. And I stayed for two months until my visa expired. So six months of it was not necessarily planned. Um, and that's how it ended up being less countries than maybe you would expect. But at the same time, I do enjoy longer travel. So yeah, as I said, I I was wanting a sabbatical. I didn't want to go back to the US. The work in Australia had ended. And it was actually an ex-boyfriend of mine who had this dream to travel around the world. And I thought, ooh, that sounds interesting. I think, duly noted, I'm taking that one on for myself. Happily, he did get to fulfill his dream years later, but I took it as my own. And so I got a one-way ticket around the world. There is something called a round-the-world ticket. And it come with, comes with conditions like you have to keep going in the same direction and you can only fly a certain amount of miles, things like that. But it's just one solid thing that made it pretty easy. And I just glued things together. You know, my brother had been to Nepal. Okay, that sounds interesting. I'll go to Nepal. The same ex-boyfriend, his brother had climbed Kilimanjaro. That sounds interesting. I'll go climb Kilimanjaro. So <laughs> it was just these random pieces that kind of fell together. And then once I had the building blocks of, okay, Nepal, Kenya, Tanzania, um, Australia, New Zealand, like some of those big ones, I did some more research. And back then, you know, we still have books, but back then that's what we leaned on is, you know, Lonely Planet or Frommers or Foders, things like that. Mm -hmm. And then for accommodation, you just look at, well, what are the three hostels in the area? And you just call them and say, I'd like a reservation. And, you know, there's no smartphones, there's no cell phones even. I mean, there were cell phones, but you didn't travel with them. It was not something that was really a part of your life as much as it is now. Right. So you would just go find, you know, quote unquote, internet cafe or a pay phone or something like that and use that to call the hostel to make the accommodations or a travel agent. Travel agent is how I booked all the flights, things like that. So it was a lot of actually (gasps) gasp talking to people. (laughs) <laughs> reading, asking other people for ideas. And, you know, that's kind of the best part sometimes is doing the, re- well, okay, for me, maybe because I'm a little geekish, but doing the research, 
and finding out all the things. And then, and like you said, like reading the books and taking the guidebooks. Cause I, I mean, I remember my, I had kind of a, it wasn't really spontaneous because I just spontaneously decided to go to Hong Kong. And this is back before they gave it back to China. But then of course, then I planned everything. But it was still, I had, when I was there in order to stay in touch with people, I had to find an internet cafe. And I don't even know if some people know what an internet cafe is at this point, because I don't even know they still exist. (laughs) I don't think they do. So maybe should we explain what it is? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Go ahead. You take that one. (laughs) I mean, it is literally actually, although it's funny that it's called a cafe because they rarely served anything. I don't know why it was called that, but it would be just a few computers. I guess it depends on the different ones, but different computers and phones. And it was a place that you would go to sign into your email. I mean, saying it out loud sounds crazy because of what the world is now. I mean, you can take an email from a plane But back then, you would actually have to go and find one of these places and sit down and pay for a certain amount of minutes to go and log into a computer and check your email. Or maybe there was some research you could do back then, but Google was barely existing. I mean, it was there, but there wasn't that much on it when I traveled. And then they had phones, too. So if you wanted to call, you would have to either use a card. You had like a calling card for international minutes, or you could pay there. And then based on where you were calling and how long you were on, you would pay. Yeah. Well, you know what? I Turkey I'm I'm sure still has them because when I went to Turkey a few years ago, I ran into I was actually on my way to um UAE and they changed their visa requirements. So I checked out when I looked, the visa requirements were A and by the time I got there, the visa requirements were B. Wow. So, I ended up back in Turkey and in order to get things rolling, I actually had, I, now that I'm thinking about it, I did have to use a calling card and I did have to use an internet cafe. Interesting. How, when was that? That was about, okay, she's been back for, so maybe about eight years ago. Okay. So it was still a little while ago. Yeah. Cause yeah. I remember around that same time they had them because if locals wanted to play games, like, you know, video games and things like that. I think, you know, they didn't have strong Wi-Fi in their homes or data plans and things like that. So that was what I noticed when I was traveling. So, yeah, it's a thing, people. (laughs) But I mean, if you're over 40, then, yeah, you get it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, as long as you you traveled, not everybody. Yeah, exactly. Not everyone was traveling back then. But yes, if you were a traveler. (laughs) So, okay, you talked about slow travel. And I think, and it's really interesting because, you're the second person I've spoken to who's talked about slow travel. And the first person I was like, what is slow travel? <laughs> and so then, yeah, she just explained to me that it's you're just basically you're taking your time through a space and not making a ton of plans necessarily. So if you want to sleep in one day, that's cool. If you want to do a bunch of stuff the next day, that's fine. But you're taking your time to actually explore the area that you're in and the country that you're in and and you just well you have the time to do it so I, for me slow travel hadn't hasn't really ever been a thing because it's vacation time so i have mm. you know 2 to 3 weeks to see everything i want to see 
so a lot of times there's nothing slow about it it's like yeah I'm seeing this and I'm seeing this and I want to go here and I want to go there and oh yeah by the way I think I'm going to go to another country <laughs> but yeah. I, really, I mean I like the idea of slow travel though and I'm, I'm gonna have to try it yeah I mean it also comes down to priorities like I personally will remember the people that I've met and the experiences that I've had I won't remember architecture or special sites like that. I mean, maybe vaguely, although I just saw a picture of something the other day and I was like, where is that? And all of a sudden I was like, oh, wait, I've been there. I've been in this <laughs> building in Istanbul and it took me a while to even recognize it because that's not important. But I do remember sitting in a cafe with a friend while we were the only two females and everybody was watching a soccer game. Like those are the things I remember. Right. So it's not as important for me or, or even as interesting for me to rush around and make sure I've seen all the sites because it's just not what's going to touch me where those interactions with locals, those will stay with me forever. Yeah. And so I would rather be slow, wander around, sit in a cafe, see who walks by, have a conversation with somebody, you know, get myself invited into their home, something like that. I'm okay with doing that more than, you know, click, click, click. I have to just take pictures and run around everywhere. And that's not a judgment. It's just for me. Right now I get it. What's going to resonate. And for me, it's, sort of just trying to see all the different things that make the culture what it is, mm. right? So for some of them, yeah, it is the buildings and, and but it's also like you're saying the interactions and because I don't, when I remember things, I remember them like they just happened last week. Like I can just really feel into that, whatever it is, like the Nile cruise and realizing that I flashed somebody. <laughs> yes, well, that's was, a story we're going to need. Because <laughs> I was changing in front of a window and then I look up and there's this dude in his boat <laughs> doing his thing. And I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> He's still you know? telling the story, I'm sure. <laughs> so, you know, I remember things like that, but I don't remember, like, if you say, well, what year was that? I don't really remember because it's never really linear. It's mm -hmm. always like you're, it's like you're talking about. It's the experience of it. Yeah. So I don't remember the day, the time, the month, the year necessarily all at one time. But I can remember the stories and you know, like in that whole trip, like the pyramids. I, you know, I remember those and the experiences of crawling through one and. You know, thinking, oh, my God, am I ever going to get to an opening? It's, I didn't realize I was claustrophobic, but I kind of think I am. <laughs> oh, wow. You know, so I, I really get what you're talking about when you're saying it's really the experience that sticks with you because nobody can really take that experience away. So it's not about, for me anyway, not just, oh, I'm just checking this thing off the bucket list and let me take these pictures so I can post them to Instagram and you know, so everybody can see the great thing. And again, no judgment for that. But that's just, you know, when I get home, I may post some stuff if I remember. <laughs> you know, because even like this past weekend, I I went to Catalina Island. And then I had to remind myself this morning, like, oh, yeah, you should probably post something about that. Mm. <laughs> you know, well, and then especially, and especially though, since I, I do um, travel stuff then it's important to let people know what's available to them. So yeah, there's that. But I, it, it's like a reminder. It's like, hey, do that thing. It's right. not, you know, 
I've seen people who are like in the middle of the trip posting like a ton of pictures and stuff. And that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that's coming up as you're talking and, you know, obviously we're, we're not talking about this, but one of the things that came up is if you're going to travel with somebody to understand what your priority is and what their priority is. So like, yes. you know, the two of us, maybe as much as you seems fantastic and I want to hang out with you, maybe we wouldn't be the best travel buddies or maybe it would be okay. And you can run around during the day and I'm going to go sit in a cafe and then we meet up for dinner. But you can see that there's different things. People are foodies. People are into architecture. People are into culture. People yeah. are into religion, whatever it is. And if you plan a trip with somebody and you have different priorities, it ain't going to go well. Right. Well, and and that's exactly, you hit the nail on the head. You have to, you have to find somebody who has your same or very similar travel style. Otherwise there's going to be a clash. Cause I do have uh, one lady who I've, tra who I've traveled with a couple of times, but she's laid back. She's like, she's very easygoing. So we just go, it's like, do you want to go here? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know? And then she's like, in places that she's already been, she's like, oh, here's some things I think you'd like to see. Do you want to see this and this and this? Yeah. You know, so we have made our trips together work and it's been really fun, but I travel by myself a lot. <laughs> yeah, me too. So I, I'm not really, um, I'm not really thinking about that, right? <laughs> Nobody else there. So I just do what I want. And it's it's interesting when I do travel with other people because then I have to, again, remind myself that you were with other people. So go with the flow and yeah. You know, or negotiate it, discuss it or discuss you know, figure it. out, you know, today yeah. it's my thing. Tomorrow's your thing, whatever. Yeah. And then some of the things that I've done, like I've gone on a yoga retreat, but it was through somewhere that I wanted to go and they went to different areas. So I was like, okay, well I do yoga sometimes this could be cool, <laughs> you know? So it was a group thing. But they were going to all different places that I wanted to go to and places I wanted to see. So that was that was interesting because then, you know, you get up, you go and but, you know, ahead of time what to expect. So it's not one of those. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. You get yeah. the whole itinerary before you sign up and then make the decision to sign up. Right. Yeah. So I've done that, but I don't I haven't really done a lot of group travel. What about you? No. I mean, I've done a few, like when I went to Antarctica, I had to go on a cruise or not a cruise. I don't, I don't go on cruises, but a, on a ship mm -hmm. because you can't really get down there any other way. There were a few places in Australia, like parks that I would have no idea where to go, how to go. I didn't have a car or anything like that. So I went on just small trips for very specific pieces, mm -hmm. but typically, no, I, I really like to have flexibility when I travel. I like to do whatever I want, whenever I want. I mean, occasionally I've traveled with other people. Most of my travel is solo. And then again, you know, I meet somebody who says, oh, you should go check out this place. Then I get to go check out that place where with a group, I'm sure there are benefits to it. It's just not for me. Right. And, and yeah, I get that. Because like I said, it's not really something that I've done a lot of. Um, and when I get somewhere, because again, traveling solo, I'll take, I'll land and get my luggage away. And then I'll take one of their city tours so I can see if there's any place I want to see later. So you get the lay of the land sort of, and then 
It's like, oh, okay, yeah, I would like to go back here. I'd like to go back here. I might want to go over there. So I kind of, I do things like that or I take short tours, um, again, to specific places. Because I remember yes. um, Maui and oh, I just hope they're doing well. But when I was there, I wanted to go to Haleakala, which is this uh, dormant volcano there. And then you go to see the sunrise. So I had to get up before God to catch <laughs> <laughs> to catch the bus to go up there so I could see the sunrise from up there. And it was amazing. It was totally worth it. You know, but again, that's, I always, you know, I'll do a tour or something when I get there. And while it's good sometimes to book ahead, I kind of like to book local, you know, like find the local tour company that might not be online so that I know that at least I'm contributing, I'm contributing to the local economy. Yeah, that's a great idea. I do the same. So do you have any travel tips for women traveling solo? Well, the first one is do it. Uh, But no, I mean, if they're nervous, then I'll say, The first trip I ever did solo was just in Colorado. I was supposed to go with my boyfriend. He ended up not being able to go. This was back in my 20s. And it just gave me a sense of, ooh, wait a second. I can do this by myself? This was cool. And so starting there, it just launched me into, well, if I could do it here, I can do it in other places. So if you're nervous about it, I'd say start local, start with a small thing. You know, Maybe it's only like a three-day getaway or something like that. Consider language. So go somewhere that speaks your native language or at least a lot of your native language. So maybe it's not a native English speaking country, but a lot of people speak English so that you take that barrier out and it's easier for you to get around and you don't have to worry about, am I going to find my way? Am I going to be able to find locals? You could also join a tour and then add a few days on to go solo after. So those would be just if you're nervous, just in general, I mean, obviously, stay smart. Don't do things that you would do at home. I know you live in in Southern California. I'm in San Francisco. We're in cities that, you know, there's no way I would wander around at midnight by myself here. I honestly feel safer in a lot of other places in the world than I do here. <laughs> so because of that, I need to know where I, I like. I wouldn't do that in other places. Don't go flashing jewelry and cameras. You know, those are just generic things. But as a solo female you are potentially more of a target for things because you may look like an easier mark. So just being aware of where you are, what you're doing, you know, I've done things that I know were not smart. So, you know, again, there's risk involved, but make it smart risk, let people know where you're going. So even the Airbnb, if there's, you know, a host that you're gonna be like, Hey, I'm going out for the day to this spot. Can I text you later and let you know I'm back or something? And I have, and honestly, I haven't done these kinds of things as often as I should. And it depends where you are and what you think the risk factor is. But, you know, making sure that somebody has some sense of what you're up to is not a bad thing. Right. Um, You could also partner. So if you want to do something that feels a little riskier, there are Facebook groups for so many different locations. And if you want to basically travel by yourself, but maybe have a partner to go to dinner with or to go check out this remote place or go on a hike, that you feel like this is not smart to do by myself, jump on a Facebook group and go find somebody else that's going to be in the area and see if they want to join you. Now, that's a really good idea because 
I've, you know, I've come across a lot of travel tips, but a lot of the travel tips that are out there are men traveling solo and men traveling solo is different than women traveling solo. So while a lot of the travel tips are good, you know, it's, it's just not necessarily the same because women being women anywhere is different than a man being a man anywhere. So traveling yeah. solo as a female is a little bit different than traveling female, um, traveling female, traveling <laughs> solo as a male, you know? So, and I mean, and that's, those are things to take into consideration. You know, if you're doing your research on a place and you're reading all the stuff this dude says, take into consideration how much of it might or might not be gender oriented. And especially depending on the country that you're going to as well. Is those are other things to take into consideration. Yeah, for sure. And then at the same point, you also have to trust yourself. Like I adored Sri Lanka. And yet there was all kinds of information online that said Sri Lanka isn't safe and you shouldn't go. And there was something in my gut that I thought, no, I don't know that I'm going to believe all of this. And I went and I, I could not have felt more safe and welcomed. It was wonderful. So I'm not saying ignore information online because there are other places that I absolutely will not go based on what I've read or would not go by myself. Mm -hmm. You have to trust yourself and trust your gut about a place and what the source of the information is as well. You know, are the people yeah. that are saying it's unsafe, maybe not ever left their hometown before or something like that? Right. Well, and, and I, I do have to agree with that because everybody's everybody's experience it's not going to be the same. So we can both go to the same place and have completely different experiences. It's like talking to a brother and sister who grew up in the same family. And it's like, are y'all really related? <laughs> because they're telling you things that happened in their childhood. And one's telling you one thing and the other one's telling you the other thing. And it's like, you had the same parents, right? But they just had completely different experiences growing up. So travel is kind of the same way, you know, um, we, we're, we can all have a different experience. And I think it's, you know, it's based up for travel. It's also based a lot on your attitude, I think, um, and your mindset. So I was literally traveling about with an open mind and you have a good attitude chances are you're going to have a way better experience. <laughs> yeah, I was literally thinking the exact same thing. But I, you and I, I knew or just that that's not surprising to me. <laughs> because I have the attitude when I travel that everything works out for me. And yes. I remember talking to a travel writer, he's been all over and he's like, how could you say that? And I said, because everything works out for me. I mean, yeah. the way things have worked out when I'm traveling are truly miraculous. I, I certainly have guardian angels and they work overtime when I travel. Yes. Because I have gotten out of some tricky situations with ease. That's even surprised me. But yeah, it comes down to attitude as well, because things are going to get wrong, go wrong. I mean, it's going to rain on a day that you don't want it to rain. There's going to be a bus strike on a day that you were planning on taking a bus. All kinds of crazy things. And if you just sit there and go, this is awful. Well, then it's going to be awful. Right. But if you think, well, how can I adjust? What can I do differently? then you'll figure it out. Or just, again, be open to being surprised because it's amazing what will happen with that attitude. So, okay. Tell us a story about, because I have one and then, but I want to hear one of yours about when your guardian angel just jumped in and things just worked out miraculously. Yeah. So this one, I mean, this is the first one that popped to mind 
it's it wasn't a dangerous situation. Well, I'm trying to think. Can we since it's editing, can I interrupt and just ask you a question? Sure. Okay. Well, you can always interrupt and ask me a question. <laughs> well, I'm trying to think. I have like three different one is I was I won't share that one because it's scary. I was mugged. Okay, I'll share this one. This is not uh oh, actually I have a perfect one. Never mind. Okay, I got it. <laughs> okay, go for so it. this one is amazing and I'm going to sound goofy, but you know, uh, we're just going to go with it. So on my trip around the world, I had been traveling to so many different places that honestly, it sounds insane, but I barely remembered where I was and what, what month it was. And so I, had, this was actually another trip. Now that I think about it, this was 2016. I was in Asia for several months for, for three or four months. And that time I actually did I, I went slow, but not as slow. I actually went to about 11 countries. Some of them were just for a day overnight mm-hmm. um, and that others were longer. And so I was moving around so much that I really was not keeping track of my dates. So I was about to go trekking in Nepal and I only had five days because I was on my way to something that was booked that I could not change. I was going to Bhutan and in Bhutan, you have to have a guide. You're not allowed into the country without a guide. Oh, okay. So that was set. And so I had a limited amount of time. I was flying from Kathmandu out to Western Nepal. I showed up at the airport to check in and they said, no, you don't have a ticket. And I said, what do you, of course I have a ticket. No, you don't have a ticket. And so I'm looking and they're looking and the guy calls his manager over and she's looking with them. And they said, oh yeah, today is March 15th. You have a ticket on April 15th. And I knew it was, yeah, I knew it was my problem. There was no way that it was their issue. I knew that I had probably mixed up the dates because I had so much going on that I wasn't paying attention. And it's a teeny plane. It's like a 10 10 seat plane. Now in the US, I'd be completely screwed, right? Out there, they were like, we actually happen to have a seat. We'll put you on it. And I thought, wait, what? How am I actually getting a seat on this tiny plane with this much ease? So I said, okay. I actually need to call my guide. Do you have a way that I can call this guide? Because with the trek, I actually was going to have somebody take me through the mountains. So I called the company and I explained, I'm coming today in an hour. Could you possibly have a guide ready? Yeah, no problem. And I thought, there's no way they understand me. This has to be a communication (laughs) barrier. Like today, in an hour, we're leaving in an hour. I will be there. Yeah, no problem. Okay, I'm going to just hope for the best. So I get on the plane, not only do I get a seat, but I get a window seat. It wasn't assigned. You just, based on when you walk on, on the side where I'm able to see the entire Himalaya range as we fly. I mean, just the most magnificent flight I've ever had. And I get there and the agency owner is standing there with my name. We get back to to the, uh, the office. He helps me switch into a bigger backpack, get ready. In the meantime... He did actually have a guide. My poor guide was in the office because he had just finished a very long trek when my call came in. And instead of getting to go home, take a shower and relax for a few days, what I didn't know until days later is that the owner said, here's her information, run and get her a permit. You're going out with her in an hour. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I did have my guide. He and I had a blast together, so I don't think he minded. It was just the two of us and we laughed and sang our way through, through the mountains but what's the chance that I was able to get a seat, get a guide, I liked the guide, and it all worked out? I mean, to me, that feels miraculous. Yeah, it, it does. <laughs> but I I love to hear stories like that because it's just a reminder that we're not al- we're not alone. I know people, oh, that's a woo-woo and whatever. It's like, we are not alone. We have angels watching out for us. 
if you're a believer in God, God's got your back, (laughs) you know? And so things do work out because the story that I have, oh, and I have actually several kind of like same things. So I'm walking along, I'm in Paris, I'm lost because I, there's two train stations that have very similar names or maybe even the same name. So I thought I was going to one train station. I ended up getting off at a different train station, which was nowhere near my hotel. And so I'm just like, okay, well, you know, <laughs> looking around, it's like, this doesn't look like what I got off at. And so I'm just walking and then I'm seeing some people. I was like, mm, they look kind of sketchy. <laughs> we really want to stop and talk to them. And I'm walking and it's like, just walk with purpose and, you know, look like you're shopping and stuff like that. Nobody needs to know you're lost. And I'm walking along and then I was just like, angels, please, can can I just see another human that I can ask a question to who I feel comfortable with? No sooner did the words come out of my mouth than this woman walked around the corner. And I always walk with um, the business card for the hotel I'm staying in. So I stopped her and I was like, I'm lost. I'm trying to get here. And I pull out the business card because she speaks French. I speak remedial French. And (laughs) she pulls out her smartphone, pops in the address, gets the walking directions and then shows them to me. And then because I didn't have a smartphone at the time. And then she's showing me where to go. So, yay, you know, I'm happy. And I'm getting most of the directions right, but admittedly, I'm a little non, I'm directionally impaired. Let's just call it that. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm getting most of the directions right. And then I get to a point and I'm like, oh, I remember where she said to go left or right. (laughs) So I just take a turn. I go and I see a money exchange. I'm like, yes, this person's going to speak English. So I go in there. No, she does not speak English. So mm-hmm. I'm trying to get through with my remedial French. And then she starts, because I just, you know, walked in, hello, asking for directions, because I had that put down. So she assumed that I speak French now. And she just went, <laughs> just went off like so fast. And I'm just looking at her with deer in the headlights look. And I just busted out laughing and she's watching me laugh. And then she starts laughing. And so then I asked her, she could slow down and she slowed down so I could understand her. And then she's, you know, got me to where I needed to go. But the whole thing was just so incredibly funny to me because there was that one stretch, there was nobody And the minute I asked to see someone I felt comfortable talking to, she just like popped around the corner and there she was. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. And I get, and I have, you know, a lot of times it's like that. So people who are like, oh, the French aren't friendly and this and that. I I have gotten, I got so much help when I was in Paris because I, again, because I'm directionally challenged. I'm generally lost at some point. <laughs> I have to ask for help. So, I mean, if there's anything I can tell anybody, don't be afraid to ask for help because most people are happy to help you. Well, and that's also another connection point. I mean, yeah, you can sit there on your GPS and walk and get to exactly where you want to go. 
but you're, you know, potentially like heads down looking at the directions and not interacting. And so it actually gives you another chance to, you know, that laugh. You remember all these years later that you laughed with that woman. Yeah. That sounds like it's more fun than I looked at my map and I got to where I'm going. That, that's not as fun a story. <laughs> well, that, that's true. That is true. But you just, you can't be afraid to ask, you know, because you never know. And again, like you said, making connections and having that experience and a lot of, and a lot of places that you'll read online, especially they'll tell you, Oh, get lost on purpose. I never get lost on purpose. <laughs> never. <laughs> like I, I wouldn't even attempt to get lost on purpose. <laughs> I don't know about ever making my way back. Well, see, you already, that's what it is. You're not directionally challenged. You excel at being, at getting lost on purpose. That's all it is. Okay. Yeah. There's another way to look at it. <laughs> I mean, just going back to the support, one thing that that's coming up for me is I think women in general, or at least I should talk about myself. It's taken me years to be willing to ask for help in life in a lot of areas. It's not necessarily in travel. And so it's kind of just using those life lessons overseas as well. Or wherever yeah. you're traveling, maybe it's in the U.S. as well. But you know, it's okay to ask for help. We were raised with this idea that we're supposed to be strong and be able to handle it all and not need anyone, and that's nonsense. It's it's perfectly okay to ask for help. People love helping you. Well, and so give it a chance. And what's really funny about what you're saying there is that I don't, I no problem. If I'm traveling, I will ask for help in a heartbeat. If I am lost, I will ask for help in a heartbeat. But if I need somebody to help me move something or to get something done, that's when I start backing it up. And, you know, so it's like you said, is really using those skills everywhere and being consistent with using those skills. You know, so if you can ask for help in Paris because you're lost, you can ask for help, you know, because you need a couch moved or something, you know, because you, I, there's just that limiting beliefs that just pop up around wanting help, needing help, and if people are willing to help. Because maybe you've had experiences where you have asked and you haven't gotten a positive response. You know, because every time you ask, you do have to be prepared for a not yes. <laughs> right? But yeah. at the same time, it's having the courage to ask in the first place that really counts. And whether you get that first yes or is the third yes, you're going to get a yes. Yeah. And even as you mentioned it, like there's probably a belief of, well, asking a couch, it's a hassle. Nobody likes to help with big things and I don't want to bother anybody. Right. It's all that inside chatter and just becoming aware of what if I just ask? Yeah. Like to your point, I could ask, they can say no. And it's probably going to be uncomfortable for you to ask because it's not what you're used to. So just realize that if you're getting, you know, if you're asking for help and it's like getting, you're getting tight and you're getting nervous, like just keep going. That means you're heading into an edge of yours and you're moving into new territory and go for it. Exactly. Because we all have growth edges and the growth never happens in your comfort zone. So you always have to step out of that comfort zone to grow. And if Hell you yes. meet the growth, yeah, you meet your growth edge, then it's like, okay, here's a threshold. It's a doorway. Let me step through it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'm I love your hell yes life. And I know that, you know, there's more to your hell yes life than just travel. But again, you know, this is a travel and transformation podcast. So <laughs> the travel has been a fun part. But you did mention that 
now you are, you're doing art. So you discovered as a part of hell. Yes. You discovered something new that you enjoy. So how's that been going for you? Yeah. And it's, it's basically a rediscovery. I mean, it's interesting. If you look at my profile picture on Instagram and a picture of me from when I was about 16 months is basically the same. I mean, obviously my face has changed a little bit, but you know, my hands are up, I'm covered in paint and I am just giddy and happy that I am covered in paint. So, you know, we are who we are when we're young and those things that really lit us up as kids, maybe it's not the same activity. Maybe you don't want to climb a tree, but maybe it's adventure and exploration. Right. So painting has been just fascinating and I'm still working on my style specifically, but the first painting I did was paint your legendary self was the class that I took and it wasn't a how-to we meditated and then we painted what we saw in the meditations oh wow yeah it was unbelievable it started out my first painting looks like a 10 year old painted it when it started mm -hmm. and then honestly it's pretty spectacular now and then over the last year or so I I got looser I'm not somebody that really likes details in general in life and mm -hmm. I did an intuitive painting class where it's almost like kindergarten. You're just using whatever color you want and whatever way you want. It's not to be hung on the wall. It's just as a way to express yourself. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Ooh, this feels good. So that's how I started moving to abstract and what it's, it's a process because I then was given, it's like, we're saying, get away from rules and move into new territory. I feel like since I was new, I got all these rules of, well, you have to have a focal point. Well, if you have one color, then you should have three colors, things like that. Right. And I was getting tighter and tighter. And so right now the process I'm going through is getting looser and looser and just painting truly what comes through, trying to not judge because especially with abstract, it is so uh, you know objective on what people are going to like. It's not like, well, you painted a banana. It doesn't look like a banana. Right. And so I look at some of my stuff. I'm like, I don't know, is somebody going to say their five-year-old could paint it? And at the same point, it's like, well, then the five-year-old's being creative. I don't know if I care. Well, that's so, the thing, though. It's like if anybody's been to a museum and has gotten into the into the modern into the modern room, yeah, there's some crazy I've had stuff. That in there. same question. It's like, dang, why would all could paint that? Yeah, so <laughs> I'm one? sure that's what. Yeah, I'm sure that's what people think about some of my stuff, and we'll see. But so the studio is exciting. I actually got it through a, a local nonprofit that's been fantastic. Because space is really expensive in San Francisco, and most mm. of it is across town from me. So I thought, if I have to start commuting to get to my studio, I'm not going to paint. Right. This one is close and very reasonably priced. And it's a big space because I was starting to get paint everywhere in my apartment. I like to, with abstract paint or with abstract painting, the way I do it is literally I'm like flinging and I'm dropping and it's an ex-experience. I'm not delicately painting things. And so right. I was getting paint everywhere. And so now... Yeah, I have a studio and it's just, it's been nice to also have that collective to be part of an artist experience with other artists in there. Yeah, that does sound cool because as women, we really do need community. And, you know, it sounds like you're stepping into an artist community as well as stepping back into your dream of doing art. And so, yeah, now you're doing it. That's a straight up hell yes. <laughs> yes, it is. Yeah. I mean, I, I think we're all creative. It's just different ways. Some people like to cook. Some people are really creative from a work perspective. They can come up with amazing branding. And I think we need to expand the way we see creativity. I mean, everything that you see in the world is either nature-made or man-made. Everything. The stop sign, somebody had to come up with that shape. Somebody had to 
make the metal. Somebody had to hang it in a certain way. I mean, everything has been created. And so many people say, oh, I'm not creative. It's like, just expand your view of what creativity is. You are literally creating your life. So you are creative just from that. Nicely put. Thank you. <laughs> so if people want to find you, um, where can they go to look? Well, they can knock on my door. No. Uh, <laughs> put that one out way to there find me. Stalker, but let's, right? Yeah. Okay. So we're going to delete that. Um, so your Hell Yes Life podcast is my podcast. And I would love people to listen. Some of the ones that they actually may enjoy the most if they're into travel is Nancy Schmidt talked about world schooling her kids. And Julie Steelman talked about being an international photographer, wildlife photographer. So they may want to tap into those. I have a Your Hell Yes Life Facebook group where you can connect with me and my community on Facebook at Zaya B. And I do have a presence on Instagram, but I'm not there as much. So either Zaya.B or Your Hell Yes Life. I have two accounts right now on Instagram as well. And Your Hell Yes Life. Okay, people. So now you know. <laughs> Go check out her podcast. And it has been such a pleasure talking to you, Zaya. And by the way, that's Zaya with a Y. <laughs> if you're right. looking for her. Z-Y-A or Z-Y-A, depending on where you live. <laughs> it has been such a pleasure. Thank you so much for being here today. Thanks for having me. It's just a blast. And I'm excited to be with you. All right. Well, I will talk to you later. Take care.